0: Are you looking for valuable business advice to reach that seven-figure revenue mark? Do you want actionable tips to properly navigate through every business challenge you encounter along the way? Let Tersh Blissett and Josh Crouch be your guide in getting you to the top here at Service Business Mastery. Tune in as they sit down with world-renowned authors in business, leadership, and personal growth who share valuable insights about management, marketing, pricing, human resources, and so much more. Let their nuggets of wisdom gold guide you in owning a thriving, profitable, and ever growing business. Here are your hosts, Tersh and Josh.
1: Good morning, everybody. Uh, Welcome back to the Service Business Mastery Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Joshua Crouch. Uh, Tersh is under the weather today, so he is not going to be able to make the show. So hopefully, uh, he recovers quickly and we can, uh, get him back on the show. Cause this is, uh, I think this is episode two now that I've done solo without him. That being said, I am super stoked. I've been promoting this uh, a little bit in the various Facebook groups and things like that to be talking with Billy Stevens today. Billy has a... Kind of an interesting journey through the trades from everything from um, getting into the trades, uh, building a company, selling a company, getting into the service as a software space or SaaS, if you're not familiar with that lingo, uh, with his Billy Go app. And then now we are going to be talking about uh, his latest foray into building systems with software that are going to help with automation efficiencies uh, enhancing field communication with your office and a whole bunch of other stuff. So we are super excited to have him on the show to, um, essentially really broadcast this thing out there. It's, it's been in Facebook groups. I've seen it a bunch of times, but, uh, this is a way for us to kind of broadcast it out and have Billy kind of share his story. So with that being said, welcome to the show, Billy.
2: Good morning. Thanks for having me.
1: Yes. So, Let's, let's start with your story. You've been in the trades a long time. Um, so why don't you start with your story and let's take it from there.
2: Sure. Um, gosh, back in the, uh, early 90s, uh, I got into the trades, uh, quite by accident. I was actually, uh, working for a home builder and, uh, our plumber, uh, asked them to come out and give us some proposals on three new starts that we had. We had sold three new houses and, uh he told me he couldn't get there for three weeks and he was going to raise my prices 20%. And so I just politely asked him to leave and I thought I'd go get another plumber. Um, two weeks later, I only got one plumber to even take my plans and he never unrolled them. So I went with my tail between my legs <laughs> back to that company and that company was named Berkey's and I. Um, I said, okay, I'll pay your 20%. Can you be here next week? And he says, uh, no way, it's three weeks from the day. We took you off the board. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, what's going on around here? I'm, I'm very interested in this. And uh, long story short, I had a great, uh, gracious father-in-law that uh, uh, loaned me $10,000 and co-signed on the, on the loan. And uh, we were off and running. This was in 1996. Um, over the course of 15 years, we we 100x the company. Um, I actually paid him back his 10 grand, by
1: the way, in less than a month. I hope so. Uh, and, I was going to say, that's a him, great uh, investment.
2: Yeah. I paid him back and uh, with about $500 in interest and bought his dinner when I gave him the money, which was a first as well. So
1: <laughs> He probably enjoyed the dinner more than anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: So it's a great fireside story still to this day. Um, so anyway, we were off and running. Um, we, we just started innovating, trying to do things different. Um, we had a great platform back then, uh, for what was available back then and a lot of pen and paper and, uh, email was new. I mean, we didn't even have email. I don't know the exact year, but it was like, I don't, know, I don't even know like if Google
1: that. was around, I mean, was no, around no, 1996, I don't,
2: I don't think that was no, like early no, 2000s we didn't see,
1: uh, email or
2: Google probably till the 2000s. Okay. Uh, if I remember right. And uh, so email was going to change everything for us. And uh, so it was a lot of fun in the beginning. It was kind of like Facebook, I guess. Um, so anyway, um, 2010, I met this uh, this guy that uh, started a P.E. firm and uh, he lived out in Seattle. He's a really smart kid from uh, uh, he went to Stanford and he was really smart. And he he was smart enough to realize that the trades were underserved. And back then, in 2010, if you wanted to sell your company, you typically sold it to a competitor or maybe to your kids, or you just closed it down. The roll-up thing had imploded by then. In the 90s, we had the roll-ups, and they all imploded. So that was no longer a viable option. So this was something that was totally new, uh, this PE firm being interested. And what got them interested in our company was the fact that we had EBITDA that they had never seen before in pretty much any company whether it was car dealerships, whatever the type of company was, um, our EBITDA is what impressed them the most. Um, and so back then with the pen and paper, very little functionality on software, we were still able to attain a 24.4% EBITDA. Uh, and we grew it every year um, from, you know, while we were double-digit growth in the actual revenue, which is uh, a very hard. There's a term for that. They call it a gazelle. And at the time we were a gazelle because we had done this numerous years in a row. And so we were off to the races. Uh, we formed a new company called Berkey's holdings and, um, began buying companies. And, uh, one of the first, the first company we bought was a really awesome guy. Um, Alan O'Neill, um, brought him on board and he was very smart, really liked his story. And, uh, and then after a while, um, uh, my parents were getting sick and I decided that I wanted to leave the organization so that I could, uh, you know, take care of them, uh, had the opportunity, I had the ability to, to stop doing what I was doing. And uh, so I left them and um, they went on to do great things and created the Wrench Group and uh, they're off and running. So I'm very proud of all the work they've done.
1: So that. OK, so and this is this is showing Mike because this is all before my. F- uh, me entering the industry so that is how the wrench group started
2: yes sir it started at my my business yeah
1: i, I had no called... idea that is yeah yeah <laughs> it
2: wasn't called the wrench group back then but um it was it was what it, it evolved into and basically we were the platform company the first one
1: wow i had no idea you should have told me that before the show <laughs> that was great uh, that's that was been a uh, long that's time a ago mo- i don't talk about it much but you know? Yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. I mean, and, and going back to the fact that you guys were able to get like a twenty, twenty four point four percent or twenty four point five percent net. Twenty four point. I mean that even today, with all of the digital tools at our fingertips and the routings and the softwares and everything else, like twenty four percent is really good. And you guys were doing this on pen and paper and with probably a phone that was connected to a wall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. So, <laughs> and okay, email so, just came out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I think about that from my perspective. I use email all the time for my business, for clients, and stuff like that. Like it's a as far as client retention, those those ways of keeping clients was a lot more difficult back in the day because you had mm-hmm. to fight for the mailbox or you had to fight for the yellow pages and spend a ton of money on the yellow pages. Whereas now it's, I mean, you get distracted every five seconds with something else. Mm-hmm. Um so you, you you left, and what what made you want to start the next chapter of your life as far as uh, Billy Go?
2: Um, I just felt like I wasn't finished. I didn't really want to start another Berkey's. I didn't want to do that again. Um, I just I, I've already been there, done that, and I did a really good job at it. And and so Billy Go was really created so that I could build a franchise and i wanted to use uh, software that i created for my own franchise because the problem with uh, you know franchises are very popular but one of the main things that keep people from the corporate world from getting into a plumbing or an HVAC franchise is they just don't have any knowledge of the industry and so the the concept was well how do we do most of the work for them so they can actually go on and have the whole company work on the business instead of in it and so let sarah be in it do most of the work and then let everyone in the company work on the business. And so, so that we could do the things that we always want to implement, Uh, you know, like better rehashing, all these things that we, you know, we never have time to do really good unless we just continue to add people to do all these jobs. And so let's, let's really, let's uh, reduce the load of work on everybody and then focus them on more, you know, revenue generating type jobs.
1: So with, so B- Billy go was built primarily for franchising. Now, did you use that for your own business at all, or you just use that as you built the, the platform and kind of introduced yourself to the service as a software space?
2: Yes. So, we, so basically it was built for Billy go so that we could use it over and over again. Right. And that was the whole premise of building it. And, um, I had a really, uh, by chance, a friend of a friend said, I need to meet this guy and talk to him. Um, and he was been in the software space for years and has done quite well. He was actually the CTO for uh, Mark Cuban, and uh, mm-hmm. when they went when they took Broadcast.com and put it on the internet, he can uh, convince of that. It's the story I was told. And um, and then they ended up selling it to Yahoo for five point six billion dollars or something like that. They A, had a lot great of outcome, money, <laughs> a lot of money. So all those guys are, you know, they were pioneers in their day. Um, and so we had a one hour meeting scheduled and I had several meetings that day, uh, that I had after that. And he ended up not leaving until about nine o'clock that night. We we wore out about 10, uh, markers on the whiteboard and he, uh, he says, look, you're doing this all wrong. You need to do this in SAS and you need to share it with everyone. And so that's when we made the uh, flip. So I'm going to tell you, I spent a lot of money building that app. And then the next day I'm like, oops, well, let's throw that in the trash
0: and
1: start <laughs> over. <laughs> that's uh so. that's that's business and life in general, right? You you yeah. you build something you think you're doing okay, and then someone mm. comes along and shows you maybe a different way, and all of a sudden you know, you know, light bulbs go off and something new is born and and it's better. Yeah. So what where is this on the timeline? Is this where did when was this conversation? Was this a couple years ago? Yeah, twenty eighteen okay so yeah, we're at 2018 that long ago. Mm-hmm. no no and the, the beautiful thing about technology these days is things can be done a lot faster than they were back in the day where yes. you can put things together and develop a lot faster because they're i mean kids these days uh i've had to when i edit my own videos i have my 13 year old help me sometimes <laughs> so yeah, exactly <laughs> because they know they know how to do it on the phone like they just do and then it's done and it's all set and i'm like oh well, c- can you show me how to do that <laughs> But, uh, so you had this meeting, took you to 2018 and Sarah, or at least the concept of Sarah was born. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. You got back into the trades to essentially work this app and to kind of work it for yourself. Is that right?
2: Exactly. Billy Go was created to be our beta tester from day one. I mean, what I just couldn't figure out how I could build something that sounded great on paper. And then when you gave it to the tax or you gave it to your administration and they came up with all these things that it didn't do and you thought you figured out everything. And so they were on board uh, from the very beginning. And, I'll, and I want to talk about that for just a second. So we decided to start Billy Go and we had no customers. We were not going to buy any companies. We were going to do it from no customers at all. But the, for five months, all we did is we sit around in one room. I had two department managers, a dispatcher, a CSR, uh, four technicians, a warehouse manager. And every day we sit in there together for five months and we said, what are you, What's your pain? Where's your pain? How can we eliminate your pain? And everybody bought in. So for five months, I was paying these people without even trying to open a business. Um, but we knew if we opened BillyGo and started trying these new ideas and, uh, you know, just questioning everything, you know, um, that's what we did. And by doing it like this, it enabled us to build a product, you know, that really helps you run your business in a way that uh, can really uh, grow your EBITDA, grow your memberships and, and, and actually, um, have technicians want to come to work for you.
1: Well, I, lo- I love, and, and I, I saw this started before. that's why I really wanted to get you on here because I love the fact right now software is developed by people wanting to come into the space and, and think they solve a problem and stuff like that. The problem is they haven't run these types of businesses and the information they get is through someone else or someone else's experience like they don't have that inner knowledge of all of the troubles that a service business has and it sounds like you guys took literally every every main position and got feedback over we and did. over and over again over. and just hammered it over home and until over. you figured out all of the little details that can make an operation streamline yes. which I think is uh it's And no offense to any software companies if they're watching this, but this is is where um, having that inner knowledge of working within these businesses really pays off. And so that took about five months. So what what about the development of the app where it actually could be something that you guys could put out in the market? How long did that take?
2: Uh, Basically, we uh, started beta testing in January with other organizations. and so we January got to made a test this year of this year of this year, yes, sir. Okay, and uh, and we really weren't going to launch publicly until after uh, Victor Rancour's Service Hero Show, um, but it got out there before that, and then you know it's gone kind of crazy since then. Um, so you know, just like we thought it would, we thought it would be a hit, and um, seems to be working out that way.
1: Yeah, it's. It's one of those things and I I as I mentioned to you prior to the show I've had several people do a demo with your team whether and I'm not sure if that's you or someone else but some, someone with your team and they're very impressed with what you have so far. So going into Sarah and what it is, do you want to kind of walk us through um some some highlights of things that you guys have figured out and and walk yeah. us through the program a little bit?
2: Absolutely. so I'm just going to pick a few items and then just talk about how we improved them uh, and made them a lot easier to deal with. So um, one of the things we did in our roundtable discussions is we decided to see how many touches were in a single service call. And what I mean by that is is when a customer calls or books online. Um, so say for instance, a customer calls and, and you have a CSR answer the phone. So that's one touch with that customer. It's a busy day. And um, she puts the customer on hold and asks the dispatcher if there's any availability for this for this person. So that's a second touch. So so we've disrupted the dispatcher's job. You know what she's trying to do by asking questions like this. The dispatcher then gets on you know, the phone and calls around because it's a great call. and We need to try to do it. She calls around to find out when guys are going to be done. And so now she's t- reaching out and touching these technicians. Right. And they're out there trying to do their job. And so at the end of the day, we came up with approximately 28 touches on an average service call. So if you're doing 10, 20, 100 calls a day, you can multiply that times 28. And that's how many redundant touches that happen in your organization every single day. Well, Sarah's job was how do we reduce these? And our goal was to see if we could take 28 to 20 when we started. And as we started messing with this and really whiteboarding it like crazy and getting through it, we were able to go from 28 touches to three. Uh, We, 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 yeah, we overdid it. Uh, We had no idea we could get down to three touches. Um, And so this is the, one of the reasons why uh, we get that efficiency going in the company. So now that now we've taken, you know, a lot of people's work and we reduce the work, the amount of work and focus that it requires. You know, we, The dispatcher has less to do now. The technician has less, you know, that he has to do now. Um, CSRs as well, you know, with online booking. Um, these are the things that uh, really did help us change what we were doing. And so let's say for instance, when a dispatcher calls in sick, I mean, that's the worst day in the world for any company, (laughs) especially when it's hot or cold. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, yeah. I mean, it's just the worst day in the world and you basically hire them and say, look, you can't have vacation, right? Of course, they won't ever say yes um, to that, but, you know, you wish that would happen. But um, now with Sarah, you know, um, anybody can just, you know, walk over there and take over uh, because about 70 percent of the dispatching work is done within our software and they just need to take care of the one offs. We'll never eliminate that position, but what we'll do is make that position a lot easier. And so a really good dispatcher, a really good one can probably handle about seven to 10 trucks. And that's, that's quite a bit, but with Sarah, the same dispatcher can handle 20 or 30 trucks easy. Um, and so it makes a, it makes a big difference.
1: That's incredible. And I, and this is where I think, and again, we're, we're not, this, the, this whole segment's not to bash anyone else, but the, the automation and removing the touch points is so crucial because Not only do CSRs, technicians, salespeople, dispatchers have to learn the soft phone skills and have really good customer service. They have to try to remember all of these little things that they have to do inside of a software program. Mm. And it's a lot. So what happens is you end up getting this bloated uh, office staff to try to manage all this stuff. You have people to manage the program. You have people that, you know, you got one dispatcher per five to 10 technicians. So if you're a bigger company, you got two, three, four, five dispatchers. They all got to work together and optimize the schedule and the routing and everything else. And it just becomes kind of mass chaos. Um, Yeah, we're
2: consistently consistently seeing when we talk to these folks, we do demos for them. We're consistently seeing anywhere from two to one to all the way to 3.4 to one ratio. As far as technicians
1: to office?
2: Yeah, so the number is not 3.4 technicians. It's 3.4 people supporting one technician. Um, I've seen it as high as that. And it seems like the bigger the companies are, the higher that number is. Um, And that's just not sustainable. And that's why the pricing of equipment, when you put your markup on it, has gotten as high as it has. Um, Mm -hmm. Because you have to charge as much money just to get some profit out of it. And and this will allow you to um, reduce those costs and know your costs so that you can, um, you know, manage your business and not have to always be super, super expensive to cover all your costs. Therefore, you can sell more stuff, be more competitive. You could offer more ten-year warranties. You know, um, there's great warranty companies out there that, you know, it's tough for them to offer those additional warranties. But if you got your numbers right, you now you can start doing that and separate yourself, you know, from your competition. Things like that.
1: So. Outside of touch points from the time someone calls to the time an appointment is, is done, are there other things that you guys have focused on to streamline the operations of a service business?
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, part of getting those touches reduced, we had to have an outstanding tech app, and it had to be linear. And we call it the Quarter Pounder with Cheese Effect is basically what we named it. <laughs> And what that means is, you know, that quarter pound of cheese is built the same way everywhere in the United States, right? It's exactly the same, the exact amount of mustard, the exact amount of onions, whatever, uh, the amount of time that they spend cooking the burger. So it's replicated over and over and over for consistency. And so we guide the technicians and we help them be consistent. And with consistency, we get a, a customer that's not confused. They know what the experience is. They know what to expect from the experience with training your technicians. It's a consistent way of going, flowing through the tech app. Um, and it allows them to do a much better job, much easier. We make it very easy for them to build quotes. You can build multiple quotes, you know, six, seven, eight quotes, however many you guys want to do, you know, in two to three minutes um, and, and just following through a system. So we don't, we, we want to be linear and we want to practice this over and over and over again for consistency.
1: That's awesome. No, I, with, so on that point with the field technicians, because this is also where a lot of balls get dropped in the service business. And I've, I've seen this happen from my own personal experience. And I've seen plenty of Facebook group chats about this. A job gets completed. How do, how do you guys streamlining the communications? So that way, something for that customer that they were just at, the ball does not get dropped. Is there, is there something that you guys, you guys do to help? facilitate that. So that way we're, you know, certain customer has a, you know, a certain need, right? Everyone's a little different. Is there something that you guys have have built or how you guys have handled that, uh, that issue?
2: So that was the very first thing we built was our customer interface. Uh, We didn't have any customers at all uh, (laughs) and we weren't going to buy a company. So we had to, we had to do something different for Mrs. Jones. I call our customer Mrs. Jones. It's just an easy way to refer to them. It just came out uh, when we were doing these roundtable discussions. So she's Mrs. Jones. How do we make her happy? So everybody has limited amount of time on this earth. Time is the most precious commodity that we have. And so how do we reduce the amount of time that we disrupt someone's life when they're having a crisis? You know, it's not fun to call the plumber. It's not fun to call the AC guy because you get home after work and your AC is not working. That that's a terrible day. You know, maybe you're going to go out for your anniversary that night. and Now you can. not And so the very first thing we built was an interface that the customer would like uh, to have. And so we kept their time in mind. And so when we were building our algorithms, we decided that we could pull off one hour appointment windows. We just decided that would work. And so we started building this concept. And once we built this concept, um, business took off. Because now customers could go, okay, I'm going to schedule this appointment from two to three online and these guys are going to show up. Um, I'll see that they're you know, this guy's on his way. He's 37 minutes away. My son's soccer practice is five minutes away. I'm going to go drop him off, come back, deal with the plumber instead of waiting all day. Um, You know, the the technology. Yes. Yes, sir. The technology will allow them, you know, will inform them of what. You know the status is um when we're when we're leaving the house when we're leaving the next last job when we're going to arrive and the other flip side to that is you have a technician and he and he gets his next call which he can't see any of this calls by the way he can only see what's going to come next <laughs> and and what he's on at the time uh what he's on at the time and then he can't see the next call until he actually accepts that call and what he what's going on with this guy is he also sees on our app, that he has um, 27 minutes, let's say, before he even needs to leave where he's at before he's late. So maybe it's noon and he wants to go grab a you know a burger real quick because he hasn't eaten yet, or it's two o'clock. He's still he's starving, so he knows he can go grab a burger and then have eat that and then head on over there. Um, and so it gets it, it even gets him the time that he needs to to uh, have time to to do things for himself. Um, if he needs to, obviously we would love to arrive, you know, in the beginning of the window or within the, you know, in the middle of the window, but just hitting a window is, uh, really important. Um, and it's a concept that just blows everyone's minds that how can we do a one hour appointment when we struggle to do half day appointments and, and we struggle to communicate. Or
1: full day windows. I've seen people do eight yeah. to fives yet.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, I mean,
1: we'll be there by
2: midnight, but we don't know when, right? Um, and so if we could give them a one hour window, we give them the feeling that they are the ones that are booking the call. And so you're, so we start marketing this information. Say, look, we're, you're the dispatcher. You tell us when we're coming. Even though we control it, it's a, it, the appearance is to Mrs. Jones that it's them making the decision. Um, and not only that, the technology can make the decision on whether it's a, a priority call or not. So for instance, if uh, you've got a full board and it's the beginning of the HVAC season and the board's full and dispatchers are already yelling out, we can't take any more calls. But on the board, you've got 15 or 20 tune ups or maybe you've got some uh, equipment that's not cooling, but it's only three to five years old. And you get a 15 year old system come in and you've just been told you can't take any more calls. And so what do you do? You try to book them. We can't get you today. We'll get you tomorrow Well, they're going to call someone else. Right. Well, Sarah understands that that 15 year old call is potential profit. It's an opportunity, a big opportunity. So we will gladly punch, uh, put a five year old system up and unassigned and book that um, 15 year old system uh, right there where that five year old system was. And then at that Mm -hmm. point, that's when we get the tech. That's when we get the dispatcher involved. We have a policy at, at Billy Go and there's different policies at other places. But at this time we want that personal touch so we give that customer call and say look we're gonna we're gonna reschedule you um, for later today we've had uh, quite a few emergencies or whatever you want to tell them Um, and they'll also get messaging about rescheduling as well Um, and they can say yeah you can reschedule me or no i want you to still come so you still have you know situations that you need to deal with but the main thing that we try to do is how do we serve up you know these better calls so we can get the revenue up and manage the lesser calls to where folks are, um, you know, still not too unhappy about it. So we, we're like, what do we? What can we do to turn a negative situation, being late, into a positive? So we decided to give a dollar back for every minute we're late, hmm. and we're like, well, that's going to cost us a lot of money, <laughs> and. And because, you know, we haven't perfected this yet or whatever. So we kept working on it. And I'll say in our second year that Billy Go was on time on the one hour appointments, 90.1 percent. And we're seeing the same thing across good. the board with all of our uh, with all the folks that are on our service. Um, the industry average is 72 percent on a four hour window. And we were able to achieve 90 percent on a one hour window um, through better, you know, more intelligent, you know, uh, thinking throughout the system. So right. it's not going to overbook you. That's the key. It's going to it's going to know when a guy is off. It's not it's not going to be that panic when why isn't this guy here today? We got these calls. Well, remember he sent in an email or an ask for that day off and you said he could have it. Well, you you got so many off inner office emails that you forgot about this and Sarah won't forget about it. Sarah knows so that it won't book calls for this guy.
1: Well, I, I think that's an important point to drive home to anyone listening to this. Dispatcher is usually one of the most unsung heroes of your business because they make yeah. everything work. They're like a, they're like the uh, conductor of the symphony, right? Like they they make it all work together and all come in harmony together for that day. And they have to do it every single day and they have to start over every single morning. I've done a lot of dispatching in my day. So when it's busy, I know how crazy it gets Mm -hmm. and you need a, a certain level of um, your, your pants are kind of always on fire. You always have to be looking for the next way to move the board around. So any help that a dispatcher can get is I'm sure they would all be very welcome to that idea. Um, One question that I have that we didn't talk about. And this is so when people think new software, they get migraines immediately. Like it, before they even are signing the dot on the dotted line, they're like, oh, software, this is going to be a few months of my life. So take us through, uh, Sarah, what it, what it looks like to onboard and start using your program.
2: Well, believe it or not, this topic was brought up in our roundtable discussions and how do we change how this works? We know there's, you know, long wait times. There's no training. You know, you get a con, you get a software and you basically dive in and start trying to figure it out. Um, At Sarah, we took a different approach. Um, We were able to build, uh, I call them bots, if you will. Um, And those bots can go in and grab this information out of the software. And we can actually show you. Um, all of your software in our, inside of Sarah in 24 hours. Therefore, we allow, the, and at that point, we give you the software within a couple of days uh, of you signing on the dotted line so you can start playing with it. And then while we're going through the process of helping you set it up, which we do, we hold your hand through the whole process. From start to finish, we have someone there guiding you on how to set things up, answer your questions on why you want to do it like this, we, we do this the whole way through. We just don't give it to you and say, good luck. Um, we walk you through the process. Um, <clears throat> we get you set up and pretty much we can get you onboarded in about 30 days from the time you sign. Um, of course, we wanna take that goal and turn it and cut it in half. Um, we're hopefully by, by some point next year, this is a two week turnaround. And so the training that goes on we need to train your technicians for two one hour meetings. That's it. Two one hour meetings and they're doing the quarter pounders with cheese. Uh, it's very simple. Um, and then your admin staff, we have two to three meetings with them. And they're usually about an hour long. And at that point, when you're ready to go live, you, you go live that Monday or whatever day you choose. <clears throat> you're up and running on the system. You've been playing with it for 30 days. You've been checking it out. You're ready to go. You've been coached. And immediately things start happening, and the effects of Sarah happen immediately. Um, you know, getting those calls in are very important, and and what we built to get those calls in, you know, to to get Mrs. Jones to pick us, you know, is very important. And so, um, this technology understands the difference between shoppers and buyers. If you set it up properly with Google, Google's going to send you buyers. They're not going to send you shoppers, um, and that's why we've experienced. You know, do you um, have something so that help,
1: Do you have something mm-hmm. that helps with that? Because obviously, oh, I'm, in, I'm in the marketing world, the SEO world. So, getting calls and getting leads is literally what I do every day. So, if there's something yes, that <laughs> can help them, yeah. can help contractors <laughs> get more of that, yes, that's obviously something I'm super interested in. But how does it? Can you go into that a little bit?
2: Sure, absolutely. Um, so, what we built was a portal, just like you have at your doctor. So, your customers all have a portal where all their information is stored. And so we drive all of your customers to your website to book calls, everything that's booked mm. through the website. Right. And so these people are repeatedly going to your website and they're spending time on your website and Google, we cooked up everything loves that Google where Google can see it. Right. And so Google can see the transaction all the way through, all the way through mm. completion. Right. And so we're showing them satisfaction that we are a trusted source. Right. And so you're, so you're, your website becomes a source of authority for Google. All Google wants to do is make their customer happy. They want to give them the right choice. And so we help you confirm that you're the right choice. And then once you start raising up to page one of Google, which because page two or to page 1000 is the same. It doesn't matter. You have to be on page one. And I know SEO is kind of fallen back a little bit, but I can tell you it hasn't. Because everyone follows Google. And if you have a high ranking in SEO, you will get more Facebook calls. You'll get more Instagram calls. You'll get more Yelp calls. They all follow their lead. And you will get buyers that are ready to buy something. Google knows when they go to Home Depot and check out stuff. They know when they go online and look at an American standard air conditioning system and start doing their uh, research. They know that they're a buyer and this. Well, these things are
1: always whether no, or not absolutely. you turn stuff off, they're tracking us where, where we go. I mean, Google, Google, actually, I don't know if any of you guys ever see this that are watching or listening to this, but Google will send you like a Google maps timeline of where have you been? And it, it, I think for some people, it's kind of cool to, you know, maybe remember where you went or something, but I, I think I just got mine like a couple of days ago and I look at them like they know every store I've gone to and they know what those stores are known for and what industry that, you know, There are so many things that these devices track that, We'll probably never completely know what they all track, but this all it all ties together. It's not separate. It all ties together right. somehow, and they're they're using that information to make sure you're served the best ads, make sure you're served the best search for your query. Um, so, in in regards to marketing, since we're talking about marketing, and I I absolutely love marketing. Is, are there other things you guys have built to help with the efficiency, maybe some automation that help on the marketing side after a service call is completed?
2: So there's a lot of efficiency built into our system. You cannot achieve a 24% EBITDA without efficiency. You just can't. It, you have to have everything working in unison with each other. And, and by doing this, we, you know, we have done several things for that. We, we understand efficiency when it comes to technicians and what they sell. We understand efficiency When, um, you know, you're talking about getting, you know, booking calls, we understand efficiency when people book online. I mean, we know that they enter the widget, you know, it's about a 98% success rate. They will book a call. If they get in the widget, they're going to book it. So these are the things that we understand and we try to keep it simple. That is our key word here with Sarah. It's always about being simple. Um, We want to make it easy for these guys to take control and, and ladies to take control of their businesses. And, and do it as efficiently as possible. And uh, so we have a lot of efficiency things that we have built in um, that you'll have to experience once you get our software.
1: Oh, you're going to leave us with a cliffhanger. <laughs> I'm going to have to on this one. <laughs> well, I, I know for a while, even, even, though, even though I am uh, not officially in the trades and, and running a business now, I am probably going to uh, bug your team for a demo request so I can help facilitate oh, some people that need some help. Um, but is, so is the best place for them to go book that demo? Is that Sarah.tech?
2: Yes, sir. Uh, go okay. on there, fill out the form. Uh, from there, you'll get an email with a link to schedule on the calendar. Um, we are adding, uh, onboarding specialists every day. We're having great success with that, uh, building a huge team for that. Um, You know, we got to have that huge team so we can handle this uh, onslaught that we're experiencing um, right now. Um, I was
1: going to say, with between between getting out on things like this and the Service Hero event that Victor is throwing, that's Mm -hmm. is that end of this month?
2: End of this month, yes, sir. Uh, Halloween weekend Um, there in Vegas, yes.
1: So Ter- Tersh and I are actually going to be at the EGIA event, which is going to be in the same city. So we may be having to stop by and say hi. <laughs> All right. <See laughs> but you <at> the bar. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's where the best meetings happen, right? <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> Billy, this was, uh, it was truly a privilege for me. I've been, as I told you uh, offline, well, not offline, but through Facebook Messenger that I've been following some of your stuff for a while now, uh, just getting ideas and some of the stuff you put out there is truly unique. So I really appreciate you coming on our show to share your experience and share what you got cooking here. It sounds like uh, you're going to need some more onboarding specialists soon. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, guys, if you want a demo, go to Sarah.Tech. The URL is down below the screen here. Otherwise we will put that in the show notes as well. And as always, thank you for watching and or listening to the Service Business Mastery podcast. It is a podcast focused on business owners, managers, and technicians hoping or striving one day to become owners themselves. Until next time, see ya.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Service Business Mastery. Now that you are equipped with essential business advice from this impactful conversation, you are one step closer to becoming the successful owner of your dreams. If this episode has been helpful to your business journey, don't forget to subscribe to the show, leave a rating and share it with other owners as well. Visit servicebusinessmastery.com to learn more.